0: Be sure to share the podcast on your favorite social media channels.
1: Areas like yeah, yeah. Um, my yep. wife is from uh she's from Jersey from tinec but her mother's from Spino, Italy. Okay. And um, her father's from Colombia, so and Gosh. your name is Vin and Ponte. So I'm assuming you're Polish, right? See, si. <laughs> see, <Si. laughs> Just take it a next level. I love that. <laughs> Uh, welcome to the Tragedy Academy, a show created to bridge style divides in a judgment-free zone using candor and humor. My name is Jay, and you've heard who we've, we've been joined by, Vin Infante. Um, he is a mindset coach, psychotherapist, worked with um, Tony Robbins, all sorts of people. But first and foremost, I want to thank you for your service as a uh, as a firefighter and um, give you a chance to go ahead and introduce yourself.
0: Well, thanks, That Sounds a uh pretty good intro, I'd say kind of hit all the, all the good pieces there. And I've been in mental health for over a decade. So 13 years, actually. Um, and I've worked in pretty much every capacity you could think of. I've been in inpatient units, outpatient, hospital clinics, homeless shelter, practice, department of education, uh, did applied behavioral analysis, traveling home therapist, and all of these things I was doing to try and find my good fit.
1: So for a lot of people, that might overwhelm them with the list of things that you said, because they would probably look at your youth and say, well, how can you have had so much experience in such a short amount of time? And I'd like probably to point out that I think a lot of these roles run concurrent. That yeah. A lot of the things that you were doing was one was supporting another and you were starting another and working in all these different facets, learning all the way along the way. Would you say that that's appropriate?
0: Yeah, I would say so. I was doing all of these things. I started at 18 and worked in a mental health capacity. I started as a mental health worker at a hospital. And then I was doing all of these different things until I was 28. So I had 10 years just between 18 to 28 of working in mental health while I was also going to college and getting my bachelor's and then my master's.
1: I love that you're doing that all at the same time and that you're focusing on yourself while you're focusing on others. Because a lot of times... We find that those mindset coaches and the uh, change your life people um, have a script. Mm. They, uh, they show up at your door and they want you to give you X dollars to walk you through the change your life path. And um, here you go. But someone like yourself, you've mentioned a lot of different disciplines, a lot of different areas that you were seated in. Mm. But 18 years old, there's not a lot of discernment at that moment in life for most Adolescents, young men. Mm. However, you found a calling in that. Was there something that predicated this to make that decision at such an early age?
0: I was telling people I was going to be a therapist since I was in fifth grade. But the thing that predicated that was because my dad's a therapist. So I wanted to be like him. And I also that, wanted to be a firefighter. So those were my two childhood dreams, firefighter and a therapist.
1: You know it's funny because um I was a military police officer, and I'm a cartoon philosopher, yeah, think I'm a therapist <laughs> so it's like,, you know, I feel like we walk a path in life that is lined with waypoints, hmm. and those waypoints are similar in nature to the endpoint where we find our calling. um they all kind of intertwine as a tapestry, but Um, You'll find that most people that land in this seat as an authentic person have found their calling early on, but exercised it in different ways at those waypoints. Firefighter Mm. here, therapist here, this here, because you know you're intended to give back. You know that you're calling. However, you're trying to hone how you can get the best message out and the most effective message. So in your experience, starting back from being a child, father's a therapist, what would you find is the sticking point in today's society with regard to facing personal mental health struggles?
0: A uh, Massive lack in self-accountability nobody like wants to be accountable for their own emotions nobody wants to be accountable for things going on in their lives nobody even wants to be accountable for where they're at in their life you know so many times you know people well i'm this way because i was beaten as a kid or i'm this way because my ex cheated on me like and none of that has anything to do with why you're the way you are they are indicators as to why you might have made certain decisions however why you are the way you are is because of those decisions that you've made that have led you up to this point and you are not tired of being this person yet. I couldn't agree with
1: that more. Um, I think that our victimhood is a personality. It is one of our many egos and personas that we carry and victimhood is a very comfortable one. It comes with a recliner, it comes with a cup holder, it comes with judgment, it comes with the Rico, uh, Uncle Rico syndrome, <laughs> you know, if I could have, uh, I would have, if they hadn't of, you know, whatever it is. And I always get taken back to this little anecdote uh, uh, that an older gentleman told me in the shop one time that really shattered my perspective unintentionally. And that was, he made a joke, and I've said this on the show a lot, but I like to see the reaction of someone like yourself um, in the revelation that you could get from this in such a simple manner. And that his joke was very off color. It was, if you put your wife and your dog in the trunk of your car and come back an hour later and opened it, which one would be happy to see you? Your dog. every time no matter what when you open that the mouth is hanging open the tail is going where are we going chief this is not a situation anymore you're
2: here rolling on with life right Mm -hmm. the wife. that's what resonates with me right i get the dog
1: the dog is super intelligent for the reason that the wife or the person that was in the trunk now has an entire new persona that they can grasp in that very moment. They can become an addict. My life in the trunk book, the, you know, the PTSD, I could become homeless because I got an alcohol problem for that time that I was just completely traumatized in that goddamn trunk, you know, and you can put anybody in that damn trunk, right? Anybody in there comes out as a new person if they choose to be and remember it as something that lives with them in the now.
2: The dog? Not so much. You ask me, which one's mentally ill? Right. The human. Right. The human is choosing to live in some bizarre time constraint, slice in time, as a mask. Because why? Well, it's painful, but it's also a nice stopping point in your journey on earth.
1: If you can say, I don't have to do shit anymore. Not to say that there's not trauma and damage. A lot of people don't even know what we're saying right now. They don't realize that's a persona. They live it. Mm -hmm. You don't know you are that. You don't know that all your decisions are you. Your perspective Literally, your perspective. We think for other people. We think what other people are thinking about us. What the fuck kind of backwards shit is that that I can't even think for myself?
0: Right. Right? Mm -hmm.
1: So just my perspective.
0: I think you have a pretty healthy perspective. I believe that the biggest issue with victimhood is that it is very easy. So... A lot of people, and and I think this is a part of it too, is that a lot of people tend to struggle with finding a form of significance in their life. A lot of people tend to struggle Mm -hmm. with finding greater purpose or meaning. They're maybe not feeling like they're recognized or that people care enough about them. And so when people tend to lack significance, there's a little bit of paradox in the desire for it where sometimes your problems can be your significance because of the fact that You get a lot more power and control when you have all these problems and the bigger and the size and scope and scale of these problems going up to a higher level will then start to make more people pay attention to you. All of a sudden, you are defined by these things, which give you a sense of certainty, give you a sense of personality. And this is the dangerous side of needing significance, but not getting it through your life or your fulfillment, right? So so many people like to complain about their bosses, for instance, or like it's almost a common thing, right? You go out to the bar on the weekend, you and your friends are going to bitch about your bosses and your jobs and this and that. Meanwhile, like you clearly would rather work than be homeless. So why don't we have some gratitude for the job? Well, because we don't feel like the job is significant. We don't feel like we're important. We don't feel like we're valued. We don't feel like we're getting a lot of fulfillment out of it. So what else could we find significance in? Well, we've find significance in connection, at how much we hate our jobs and how we could all bond over that, and how we could all talk about how much it sucks instead of doing something better about our lives. Mm-hmm. I
1: couldn't agree more. Very well said. I think that when we have to substitute our inadequacies or our internal perceptions of ourselves, we, ten- we tend to draw from other people's attention to obtain our social currency, our own self worth we take all of those insecurities are fears. They're derivatives of past interactions that created some kind of pain. Mm. And they become stripes. Stripes on the mask that you have to face everybody else with. Hey, look, I've got a, I've been screwed over strike. I've got a, I was the best this day strike. You know, and we congregate with our mask of the business and we wear it and we speak the business and we have the conversation amongst ourselves in this world that really doesn't need to exist because we're all hypothesizing what everybody else fucking thinks. Right. But you have that bizarre interaction. But in reality, you're just here in the now. You're here in the now and you said purpose. Purpose is very important to me because I think that we have a purpose when we're born. I think that we layer on experiences that stifle that original purpose, that childhood spark. I think that we go through trials and tribulations that create a more well-defined person to go back to that original passion or purpose. I think a lot of people get lost on the way, forget
2: that they are passion. You're born passion. Right, You know, you're just under a glass of societal upbringing. Right.
0: When we look at... Well, honestly, when we look at the world, right? We don't see the world as it is. We see it as we are. So Mm -hmm. what we are is also something that people aren't always clear on. Because I don't think that enough people tend to really sit down with themselves and look at every single identity they have. So for me, I... I used to live in victimhood, which is why I'm actually very happy to call people out on it. It's like you can't tell me you can't tell me what it is and what it isn't because I I lived it for so as I was going through college and all of this stuff, I was actually living in victimhood. In fact, I've been bullied pretty much my whole life. Mm. And a big part of that had shaped most of my life. And I was diagnosed with um, depression, anxiety, and panic disorder. And I struggle with suicidal ideation and self-harm mm. tendencies. And I never wanted to let those things be definers because one, I never really believed I had them. Like I I never believed in labels. I never believed in the power that a label brings and I was never willing to embrace that. And so what I've noticed is there's a lot of ways to take your power back, but you have to be willing to do it. And one of the ways that you can do it is getting extremely clear on the different types of identities you hold because everyone has multiple identities, right? So I think people have this interesting uh, thought of like, you have to be one way with everyone, which I think is bullshit. Some people say that's- uh, Take it
1: 100, that kind of weird statement that's come to uh, fruition nowadays. Yeah, no, I get I get where you're going with it, but there is that weird misrepresentation of what authenticity is. And I'm going to throw my hand up in the air and make it real for you or whatever the hell it's supposed to be. Um, so I'm, I'm tracking with you. It's not
0: that. Right. Well, and that's the thing is like, like, for instance, you know, as a, as a coach, there's a very different feel than when I'm, you know, putting on like a therapist hat or when I'm doing a mentoring portion of it. Right. Because coaching, Mm. mentoring, and therapy are three different things, the three different modalities. Um, when I'm, Talking to my 16 month old daughter is very different than when I'm talking to a grown man who runs a business and needs a slap in the face because he needs that's his situational head
1: awareness, knowing your audience.
0: Right. But that's also, but see, but that's the funny part. Situational awareness, yes. But also those are different identities. Mm. Because I'm not showing up as a coach, AT&T when I'm with on my daughter. one
1: phone, mom on the other. Check your voice. Your voice is a really good indicator of whether
0: or not you're being yourself. Right. Exactly. And so it's like. Building these powerful ideas around what your identities are. Like, what would a good dad look like? What would he do? What would he say? How would he make his daughter feel or his kid, whoever? You know, how would he show up? How would he be present? What kind of time would he spend with her? What does he want to teach her? How would he ask her parents so that she could turn out a certain way? And that's the dad identity. And then the other identity is like, all right, how would I show up as coach? What would a coach say? What would they do? What would he help people feel? How would he talk to them? How would he look at life? And then there's another identity. Like, oh, I'm a son. How does a son show up for his parents? What would a good son do? How would he speak to his parents? What would that relationship look like? What would he do day in and day out? So, you take all these identities and you just get really granular, and then you challenge yourself to be in alignment to what you feel would make that the most powerful identity for you, right? Because everybody might have a different idea. Some people hate 100%. their parents, and they might say, "Well, being a good son would be never calling my parents ever again." <laughs> so, you have to it's decide. it's all
1: relative.
2: Yeah,
1: it's, it's all, all relative. relative. You know, I like that you approach it that way. And I'd like to take it a step forward because as a coach, as a mentor, as a dad, that's got to be a fine line to walk when you have discernment within these areas to not reach into the bag of tricks (laughs) Or the identity that is handling that situation, but you know, it calls for a little bit of Section C over here to come in and and run some interference in the coaching situation because you recognize that there's some kind of trauma that might be inflicting the hesitance on action because they're afraid of how they might be perceived by others. They have a fear of being out in some, you know, out in public. Do you have to? pull through like the strings of each one and kind of weave it together? Or is that something that you can really discern with and keep them in each
2: bucket?
0: I think that life requires a level of dynamic action, right? So when I talk to people about what it is that I'm doing in this world as therapist, mentor, coach, is that I essentially have created a very unique service because uh, as far as I know, Uh, I'm one of the only people doing this that have all three modalities mixed into one because I believe that some days people show up and they need some introspective work and that's going to be therapy. Mm. And then some days people need perspective work, which is going to be a bit of mentoring. And then some days people need a slap in the face and a kick in the ass and that's coaching. And you can't expect that people are just going to need one. I, I think that that's where mental health kind of fall short is that it's like, well, coaching or therapy, you have a mentor, so you don't need a coach or a therapist or, or, or maybe you have all three and then you're like, I don't really feel like I'm getting anything out of any of them because I'm telling them all different stories and we're focused on different mm. things. Right. And so looking at how, how can you work best with people is to be dynamic, like know many different things and then see what people need.
1: I, I love that you're looking at it holistically. Um, each person, and you're correct. Everybody comes in with a different background, a different perspective, a different set of lenses. You're not going to smack the person that's been smacked. You know, that's just not how it operates. So you're going to substitute a different type of modality to get them to accomplish something versus, you know, the same form that you would with somebody that was a little more hardened or could take it or needed it in that moment. Because I, I think anybody can take a slap. It just depends on what the situation is. Um, victimhood and the most frail require the hardest slap sometimes Mm -hmm. um, because they're comfortable. They're the most comfortable. Um, Yeah.
0: Go ahead. I was going to say it's true because I have... So I I like to think of my clients as high performers because they are. They're all business owners. They're all entrepreneurs. Um, I have some, you know, athletes. uh, I guess they're semi-pro, right? Like they're college athletes. Um, Excellent. I have, all, I, like, I have a very wide array of people I work with, but they're all high performers in high performing positions. And I was having a conversation with one of my clients about two weeks back. And he's been making progress, but now he's kind of hitting a little bit of a stale point, which happens a lot in this work, right? Mm-hmm. Where people, Absolutely. as soon as they jump into it, they're super excited. They start taking action because they're excited. And then as it starts becoming almost routine and process, they start taking less and less action. And so we're sitting here and he's like, you know, Vinny's like, I'm at the same point because he's had therapists and coaches before. And he's like, I'm at the same point where now I'm kind of like, uh, everything's like not moving and blah, blah, blah. He's like, now I feel like I'm back in, in my ways of doing. I said, okay, well, you know, there's a few things you have to do in your life and you haven't been doing them. And we've talked about it, right? And so here's, here's what we got to do. And We came up with an action plan for, you know, from this week until our next session, right? So I meet every two weeks. And I said, here's your action plan. And I said, I'm only going to ask you two questions when you come back next session. And I said, the two questions that we're going to ask you is, did you execute, take action? And if the answer to that is no, the follow-up question is going to be, how much longer do you want to suffer? And that's all I'm going to ask you because those are the only two questions that I have because those are the only two things you have to do. You either take action or you determine how much longer you want to suffer.
1: How much of a cosmic joke is it that suffering's a choice?
0: Such a great one.
2: <laughs> it's like
1: the it snake is.
0: eating its tail hardcore. Yeah. Like down to the size of a Cheerio at this point, it's eaten for so long. Right. Because see, and that's the thing, right? People confuse the two. Pain is inevitable, but suffering is a choice. Your suffering is based on your inability or, in, or lack of desire to take an action. That might be hard, but just mm. because it's hard doesn't mean you shouldn't do it, right? Like, one of the things that I like to talk about as to why I refuse. So this is a part of why I quit traditional therapy. Is I don't believe in diagnosing people. I didn't believe when it was done to me, and I don't believe in doing it to people because of mm. the fact that it becomes a part of uh, so many people. I feel get worse because it becomes a part of their identity.
1: I like that you said that. I just want to pause you real quick sure. because you said coach and mental health coach mental health, coach, mental health, and what was popping up in my head is exactly what you're bringing up right now in that why is it mentally, mentally in our mind's eye, if I say you have a coach,
2: you're a high performer. If I say you have a therapist, you're frail. Hmm. But in reality, they have so many congruent things. And Did really,
0: uh,
1: it's, it's seasoning based on the palate that's consuming it.
0: Sure. Well, I think, I think there is a, there's definitely a disconnect in the, in the two. So right with therapy, I, I like to explain it to people, right? Cause they'll say, well, what, what you, you do these three different modalities, but like, what is that? And I'll say, well, if you think about what therapy is, therapy helps people look into their past and understand parts of themselves. It helps with introspective work and figuring out why are you are doing the things you're doing? How did you come to that point? Where did you get your views of life? Mm-hmm. Why are you living the quality of life you're currently living? Because they're all decisions you've made in the past that have led up to your current state of being, right? When we look at what coaching is, coaching challenges people to raise their standards, to become the next version of themselves, to evolve and right? to let go of what was for what can be. Mm-hmm. And when you look at what like mentoring that. is, mentoring is the sharing of experiences and perspectives from someone who's done something, which isn't always textbook knowledge, which isn't always something you've gained in a course. It's just good old life experience. And what that is, Mm. is this genuineness and connectedness. And with mentoring, what you're actually doing is you're teaching people to become more like you. And Mm. so if they're trying to get your result, it makes sense, right? Because they want to learn, what did you do? How did you apply this? And then I want to do that. So it's not like, I'm challenging you to become a different version of yourself. I'm challenging you actually to become more like me in the mentoring stage. And so you look That's at these three um, modalities.
1: borderline narcissistic, isn't it?
0: I mean, I've it's done a depending few cool the, things. The
1: person, the person that um, believes that they're the ones that should be emulated is a little bit harder to uh, sell. Um, do I think that there are people that could do that? Hell yeah. I mean, if you've got a moral compass and you're doing things you know, on the up and up, you should be emulated to a degree, right? Um, You could benefit or people could benefit from being mentored by you. Um, That said, when you are a mentor, you better damn well hold the line. You better be a lighthouse. You better not be getting caught with your pants down unless you're willing to put it out on the side of the lighthouse. Look, where my scars or my mistakes would shame at that point and say, I'm learning while you're learning. And that's an example. Mentors have to be an example.
0: Right. Well, and I believe that too. Is, I mean, my biggest thing is like I leave with vulnerability. Like when I jump on a podcast or I give a speech, for instance, I love speaking if you couldn't tell. Um, <laughs> but when I do these things and even in client sessions, I'll share like, all right, these are the things I've gone through. This is how the situation played out. This is what I did. This is the conversations that were had. This is how it worked. This is what didn't work. And so I believe that you can genuinely learn from other people. Now, what wound up happening when I looked at like the difference between therapy and coaching, et cetera, is I also found what I was telling you about before is like, I didn't believe in diagnoses because I didn't like that. It became part of people's identities. I didn't Hmm. like that. You're not technically supposed to share your experiences. And I get it. Like there's a whole... It's a whole thing on the code of ethics that you can't do that and blah, blah, blah. It's like not sharing salaries at a company. Well, you know what it is? There's some logic behind it, but I also think it's semi outdated. And I also think that the problem is, if I'm being quite frank, I think a lot of therapists have a lot of problems that they haven't worked on. I really (laughs) do. Like, no, I'm dead serious, man. No, I'm with you. I don't like a lot of therapists because I think they're bullshit artists because of the fact that I know that they have more problems than their clients and they're still going in trying to give advice.
1: I see a neuropsychologist. I see a therapist and um, I have some other people that I see for my own mental health. And what I like about that system, because we tend to look at all the things that are wrong with it, because there's a lot wrong with that particular system. A lot. However, when you're on your knees and you open up the internet, the first thing you're going to find in force is that. And I don't believe that people set out with the intention to cause harm. They really are trying to help. Right. And while I do think that it is something you should have, I think it's short term. And the reason why I say that is, is when you fall under that circle of care, that that bubble, it is a safe place, not for you to become a different human, right? Where you're elevating your personality, you're becoming like the, the best of you. It's kind of like a suspension state. You're going to get your medication, you're going to get your meditation, you're going to get your tools for your toolbox, and you're going to have a pause button. And I think everybody can use that pause button because they're going to get forced through that rack no matter what. Right. But if you look at it for what it is, it's a chance to, like you said, introspect, look at the mask from the inside out, deconstruct it. Where are the stripes? If I look at a painting backwards, then I get to see who I became and why I became that person. Right. And someone like yourself is integrating both, which is fantastic. Like I said, you're doing something that other people are not doing. That makes me super excited. Um, But I do believe that that particular bubble exists on purpose for a lot of reasons that we could say. However, I believe it is also the first place that people can get that break, especially in substance abuse or, you know, the debilitating suicidal ideations You know, or ideations. I never know how to pronounce that. I think it's ideations, isn't it? Yeah, that's yeah. Okay, well, that I had them as well. Um, Mm -hmm. I've got you know my own versions of trauma, just like everybody else. Um, Cam Awesome, uh, former heavyweight boxer, Olympic boxer. He came on and he summarized bullying pretty well, in that he thought he was being bullied at the time, but in retrospect he realizes everybody was. It was just his decision to be bullied mm. in that moment or take it as being bullied. Right. And that identity is right. what we're talking about. The identity Correct. that we take forward in life. You said that you were bullied. Yeah. What does somebody do that has a persona that is highly integrated with themselves having been bullied? Because bully a hard one. Bully makes everybody mm. nefarious until proven different. And that's a shitty way to live your life. Sure. You know, that, that lens is one of the darkest ones you can have over your eyes because it doesn't let true authenticity and love get through as quick as it could. Right. So for those people that are looking through that lens and they're micromanaging their understandings of everybody's intentions, what do they do? How do they break that cycle to come see someone like yourself? Because I feel like there's a, there's a hurdle there.
0: I think that... <laughs> I like to explain that there's multiple levels to self-development. Mm. I personally don't think that a lot of people should start off with one-to-one stuff. I think that's probably the top tier. And here's mm. why. When you start, what you should do is you should go and get free resources. All the free resources you can. Go on YouTube. Listen to... Great podcast that maybe Vin Vantes aren't. Listen to, uh, <laughs> love that, YouTube
1: Shameless videos. Shameless blog, boom.
0: Why not? Listen to YouTube videos, right? Look at, look at things that you can get for free or are extremely cheap. But spend $10 to $20 on books. Start seeing what you gravitate towards and what mm. might give you the most value based on what you're listening. Like, look for the personalities that resonate most. Look for the messages that resonate most. Look for the information that resonates most. There's so many things that you should look for. Tier two is then looking for communities that support that. Join masterminds. Now, this is going to be a mid-tier investment, right? So we just went from like three to twenty dollars. Now we're looking at a few hundred to a few thousand for communities, masterminds, groups, programs, seminars, events, things that are teaching. Now they're more specified. They're not as general. Now they're more specified. Now you're looking at like, oh, I'm going to go to an event hosted by Tony Robbins because I heard him in some videos. I read his book. I liked him on a podcast. I I like the things he says and his personality. So now I really want to learn that. So now you start going to Tony Robbins events, right? And then once you really know what community you're in, the info that you're enjoying, then you want to look for tier three, which is usually the highest investment. And it's the most specified. Now you're looking for a one-to-one Inter- uh, intervention, like coach or therapist or mentor, somebody who's really high up and is going to give you information specific to you, but it's also in alignment to the messages and the info you've been looking for because you started at tier one, where anything you're going to do is going to help improve your mindset because you have very little info. Then you did tier two, you found the communities, the messages, the information, and it was great. But now you want it specifically tailored to you, and that's where you start stepping into tier three because a lot of the times what people don't realize is effective work in tier three where you're doing this one-to-one stuff really comes when you have a genuine good relationship with person because it all comes down to likability and trust if you don't like and trust me you're not going to be receptive to the info if you're not receptive to the info you'll never take action on it if you never take action you never change your life and get good results and so when i'm taking on clients for instance these people know they pretty much want to work with me because they've usually done self-work and like i said i work with high performers I'm not very much like a low tier coach. Like I'm on the higher end side, the higher ticket cost, et cetera. And so people that come to me have usually already made a few investments, have been doing self-development work for a while, um, met me somewhere or got me as a referral because I don't even do marketing or anything like that. So there's a likability factor already in there. And then when we wind up having the conversation, it's like, well, let's see if this makes sense. I don't have a specific program. It's very dynamic. But you tell me what your issues are. I'll give you a bunch of solutions. And then if you think I'm the guy to help you get to those solutions, cool. If not, like, you know what, from that conversation, you know what you're looking for, go find somebody that does that. And so that's usually how I recommend the- The Value add, even
1: in the interaction. I like that.
0: Correct, correct. Even in that interaction, it's like, all right, listen, if we're not a good fit, you could still walk away feeling like you got something, which might just be clarity to go work with someone else.
1: I like that. Um, A lot of people aren't willing to do that. A lot of people feel like they need um, to keep their hooks in you. Yeah. I have looked at those interactions with the understanding that there are many, but two particular type of people in those scenarios. One is the lighthouse and the other is
2: the convincer. Mm. If
1: you're trying to convince me of something. I don't want it right? because you don't want it. You don't believe in it so much so that you have to sell it rather than live it. Right? Right. And then the other one is standing there as a beacon, allowing people to find you. You're not marketing. That's perfect. Because why market? You're one person. And if you're doing the right thing, rocks in a pond. All day long. The waves will continue and continue infinitely. And if you're throwing pebbles, you're going to get little rip. But if you're grabbing a hold to one at a time and you're focusing your care, your passion, your talent to examine the human experience and you're throwing a boulder into the water and those are going to create so many more ripples because that particular boulder now has the, partic- has the capability of throwing boulders. Right. No longer are we throwing pebbles into the pond. We're actually just, we're stocking it with
0: impactful things that affect change. Right. You know, and it's funny too because there's so many mindsets out there. So like I had this coach one time and I really didn't like some of the things that she said because I had some clients that I've been with for a while and uh, they were super loyal to me. Like when I left being a therapist and started coaching, they actually followed me from my private practice to doing coaching. And so they were, you know, lower, very low prices for where I started going and increasing. Mm -hmm. And I remember I was talking to a coach and I was like, you know, I'm really struggling a little bit financially. This was like the start of me trying to launch my coaching business, right? And I was like, you know, I'm struggling a bit financially. And she's like, well, you know, you have to raise the prices on your old clients. I'm like, well, some of them can't afford it. Like, one of the guys works part time at a pizzeria and he's trying to become an artist. Like, the guy makes a few hundred dollars a week and he's paying me, uh, was it like $50 a session, which was a lot for him, right? That's like groceries, right? And, and mind you, that was a lot for him. And, and he is even more because, Coming from private practice, he had insurance paying for it. His copay was nothing. So he really loved me and wanted to work with me. And that's one of the qualifications to work with me. It's like, I want to be excited to work with you. And yeah. you need to be excited to work with me. And so she's like, well, you know, you have to fire the client if he can't, if he can't come up to your new rate. So at the time I was, at the time that I was having those conversations, I was charging uh, two fifty dollars a session. And you know, she was like, you have to get rid of him if he can't talk to the new rate. I'm like, I don't want to do that. And it, and it felt, it didn't feel right to me. But this is what a lot of coaches will talk about is like, you have to preserve your value and your rate and this and that. Like people are super hard on that. And then the best thing I have ever heard and best by the biggest amount of bullshit I've ever heard is somebody saying, you have to, I can't even say what a straight face. You have to, if, if you know that your service or product can help someone. You have an obligation to convince them to buy it. And I'm like, what the yeah. fuck are you talking about?
1: Dude, Hi. some weird ass discriminative value. Like, what is that? It doesn't even make sense. What the fuck? Yeah. Th- so the in my mind, when you say these things about price and keeping a client versus, you know, another level, um, it, prospect, I don't know what.
0: Yeah, like a sales call, right? Like a sales call, like hey. So in my mind,
1: I see I see something completely different for a person in your chair or the way that I believe that it should be approached. Is that once you've identified that passion, once you've identified who you are, once you've identified that gift that you're supposed to be giving back, the world, the universe, reality, whatever it is, I don't care what you call it. It will work through you. You will become a conduit for additional money. You'll become a a conduit for more people to join your particular cause. It's kind of like a clogged pipe, Mm -hmm. right? Clogged pipe doesn't have anything coming out the other side. But the moment that you open that pipe up and you start giving it away, And that can be what's from your heart, that can be donations, it can be whatever it is. You get up, you hit the ground, you say, grateful, and what can I do to help, right? And every day you do that, there's a phenomenon. It opens up a valve even wider and wider and wider. And you're not changing your life with the secret or some stupid shit like that. It's just how life works. If you open a path, a river forms, Right. right? That's just how it works. So I believe that when you don't discriminate your clients, you know, for their social socioeconomic status, because we're all dealt the cards, we're dealt, we're born on the roller coaster, we're issued our fucking character or script. All we're saying is rewrite it, pick your characters. You said earlier, what do you want to emulate? A good dad. What do you want to emulate? Good businessman. What do I want to emulate? A fucking coach that really affects change with people and brings them to a new dynamic level. Right. It's still a character, right. right? And you acknowledge that. But if we can acknowledge that we've created a society that does stand on having particular characters in certain interactions, then why not put pen to paper? Right. Why not take the time to pick yours? Because it was picked for you the first time. Somebody issued you all of your implicit biases. Sure. I think that there are people that will come to you, and I think there are people that will hit their knees. Of course. There's two different scenarios there. Understand, the, And those people are not at tier three. No. Those people are vomiting and trying to find out what reality is. Correct. What about those people? Given your background, you've seen atrocities, you're a firefighter, you've worked as a therapist in some of the, you know, the hardest areas. What is it that helps them open a door to be able to talk about coaching, next level, new life, whatever it is, artist, entrepreneur, fucking speaker, it doesn't matter, right? King of the janitors. If you love being a janitor, fuck yeah you the best goddamn janitor out there and clock out at the end of the day. How does that person, though, that's on their knees that does have
2: those traumas that doesn't realize where they are, where's that first step for them? The first step for them
0: is definitely going to be somewhere within the deepest parts of their darkest moments. Because a lot of people, this is, again, part of the reason I got into therapy. People can debate me if they want. And it's fine. I've been mm. in there for long enough to know. A lot of people don't want to change. Why action. I started working with high performers is because they do. When people come to me and they've already taken action, right? You're a CEO, right. you're an mm-hmm. entrepreneur, you run a startup, you're a hedge fund manager, you are an action taker. I want to work with you because I know we can create change because I know my stuff. As long as you do it, we can get great results. And that's why I started stepping into this field as to, as to right. why I started choosing a different client because I spent so much time feeling frustrated because a lot of these people come in day in, day out. I'll never forget there was this one woman and she's a sweet woman. And, and I also want to preface this that I have no disdain or hate for the people that don't want to change. I just know that I don't have the patience to sit there and do the work.
1: They don't know that they need <laughs> to yet. They don't even Correct. know who they are. Correct. They have the... Bag full of masks that's breaking their back and they don't realize it. Who the hell are you going to coach through the Olympics that's carrying a sack of cinder blocks painted like faces? Ain't going to fucking happen. You're going to collapse every time. Irony, drop the bag, but (laughs) (laughs) 100%. 100%. That's a whole nother
0: episode. <laughs> and so, you know, what I, what I say is like, there's these people that they have to get to a place because humans don't change because things feel good. We change because Mm-mm. of the fact that the pain of staying the same is finally worse than the pain of change. Because as long as change is perceived as more painful than what you're currently doing, you'll never change because humans have this, this is like our uh, most basic of functioning, what's kept us alive and helped us evolve for thousands of years is that we are always in the state of seeking out pleasure, avoiding pain, and conserving energy. Why successful people win is because of the fact that they know how. See, change in the short term is always painful. It's never easy. But what successful people do is they look past that to the long-term pleasure. And by doing that, they essentially trick their brain out of, oh, it's not painful because look at what I'm gonna have. And what a lot of unsuccessful people do or people that stay the same, is they look at the short-term pain. It's like, well, to start a new gym regimen, I got to go to the gym. People might judge me. I'm going to be fat. And, you know, like I'm going to be out of breath and I don't want to do that. Instead of within six months, I could be in the best shape of my life. I could be breathing easier. I could lose weight. I could be happy in the clothes I'm wearing. I could feel confident on the beach. I could feel confident in my own skin. And so that's what I've come to see is the biggest differentiator between people who are willing to change and people who won't. Well, it's action paired with what's the pleasure versus what's the pain. People that don't change are focused on the pain and then yeah. people and, and not like the pain that's like, I can't do this anymore. It's more just like, ah, I go into the gym, you know, people can judge me. Like that's stupid pain. That's so stupid.
1: Mm, but it can be so debilitating coming from a bullied person. It that be. has the same reaction inside the brain as a saber tooth tiger chasing your ass down. You're just as affected in that moment. Um, And I agree with you with what you're saying. I I agree that action and the ways that you approach it are the way that we create our own reality. Mm -hmm. Selecting the people that have crossed that threshold into grasping and writing their own reality is admirable because those are the people that are going to have to turn around backwards and lift people over the fence. Right, right. It requires yeah. those people, and I want to add an an additional pillar to this. Go for it. And I believe that that is self love. Mm. Yep. I think that throughout any of this process, whether you're on the precipice of going to the next level or you're on your knees, that until you realize that you are perfect, you are perfect the way you are internally because you were made that way. Love the fact that you're here on the rock. Love the fact that you experience the present. Love the fact you have quirks. Love the fact that you're different. Love the fact that you're authentic because you come with your own set of skills, your own passion, your own authenticity. It's not going to be like yours. It's not going to be like mine. Mm -hmm. It's going to be its own flower, its own firework. It's going to be its own lighthouse in and of itself. But it doesn't happen until you look into that shadow self, like you said. When you find that dark night of the soul that's walking around in there that we've read about in different psychological books, it exists. It walks around in there. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, It's always going to exist. Everybody thinks that we shed the shitty thoughts. Right. And I'm here to tell you the shitty thoughts are everybody's. It's a collective sack of shitty things that we all share. Mm -hmm. We're just sitting in snow globes in a sea of nothing but shitty thoughts. And we reach out and pick the one that we want to focus on in the moment. And we have a tendency to grab the hot ones and bring them in there and turn our entire globe red and just live in it. When in reality, we don't have to. We can simply sit there and let them exist around us and love ourselves in place. And when you love yourself, you will go fucking so much further when they meet someone like you. Because you're not putting out somebody out there that doesn't believe in themselves. You're putting someone out there with a set of, or a construct that has
2: already proven to themselves that they're worth it. Mm. That's a huge difference. I think it's a valiant place to put yourself, like I said earlier.
1: But... Two different scenarios, but I do believe that you have to love yourself unconditionally to reach your highest potential is that you've got to embrace the bullied kid.
2: You've got to understand who the bullied kid is now and who is the actual person. What is the defense mechanism that you wear? Did you have a physical
1: imperfection that has created a personality where you don't show a certain thing under any circumstances?
2: You know, is that your personality now? If it is, take stock and love the kid that created that blockage to protect. Tell that kid that it's okay. That the person that was telling you that had their own because that's how it works. We're all not safe until we love ourselves. The moment that we love ourselves so
1: much, people will flock to you. The reason why you don't need to market is because you're being yourself. You're being authentic and you're pursuing your passion and people are coming to you. That's another phenomenon with this entire process. Whether you're, you know, struggling from addictions or if you're standing at the pinnacle of your career, there's a set of circumstances that allows you to grow no matter what. You can set
2: up to be that lighthouse. You can be that person just through self-love. And you'll affect a lot of change. Like you are. Sorry, I I go on rants every now and then. But I think uh, I like to draw the
0: correlations between them. Turned into a coaching session <laughs>
1: I don't like not loving yourself. that's one of the biggest things that yeah. I think that we're damaged from from an early an early time i
0: I think that there are like i, I agree with the stuff you said the The caveat that I have is is and this is all quite just a personal thing yeah. that I do that's worked for me because everybody has to understand what works for them right There's some people out there that love David Goggins. And then there's some people out there that hate David Goggins, right? Right, Because of the messages that he gives. And Mm -hmm. so I think, and and this is quite, quite frankly, what I love about David Goggins and so many other people in the self-development field is they really just share their stories and their experiences and they're like, I'm not gonna pretend this works for you. This is what works for me. And so one of the things that I talk about is kind of somewhat contradictory to what you said. I do believe in the self-love aspect. Like self-love, you have to have it. Because self-love is not just about, you know, buying Froyo because you earned it with a good workout. No, 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 right? no, no, it's, no, 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 no. It's all yeah. about... I'm
1: with you on that. Thank you for not putting me in that bucket no, for the no, no, definition. No, 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 <laughs> no.
0: And, and I know that, right? Because self-love is actually about, sometimes it's doing the things you don't want to do because you're holding yourself accountable right. to something you said you would do. Now, the thing that I usually uh, do say, and this has always been what's helped me, is that I don't believe I'm perfect. I don't believe I'm perfect the way I am, nor should I be. Because of the fact that I have so much more potential within me. And I don't want to ever sit here and believe I'm perfect. I don't want somebody to tell me, Vin, you're enough. It's like, the fuck I am. I am definitely not enough. And I don't mean that in a, I am not good enough in, in a negative way. I mean, I am not even close to what I have within me. And That excites the fuck out of me. I don't want to be enough. And I don't want going to tell that.
1: I'm going to clarify my position in two words. you go for it. <laughs> Perfectly. Imperfect. Yeah. That's my definition. Mm. Understanding flaws and all, you are a complete human and deserve to be loved. I'm with
0: you. Yeah. That you have that. See, I agree, with that. To, so, yeah, I agree yeah. with that too. I agree yeah,
1: with that. And I, I, I like that you challenge this. I don't think that we have challenging conversations around these types of growth. Everybody just sits in a silo and pitches their pitch when there's something to be learned. I've learned so many things just in this conversation from you. And I sit every day and (laughs) self-contemplate. Like, that's what I do. I found in life that my authentic passion is to look at the human experience and try to soften that blow for everybody else and understand Mm. that we're all in the same soup. We're all right. doing the same things that we are living in an old Western set. Everybody has these fake fronts that their houses, they go in like it's Edward Scissorhands. Everybody <laughs> parks, everybody walks in the front door at the same time, everybody waves, and they get behind that and they're fucking on the ground. Yeah. They're yeah. crying their eyes out. Their family's half addicted. One's got, you know, threatening suicide, another one's doing this. But when you come out that front door, You look like something completely different. Right. And the reality is we all need to know that we're laying on the ground. The moment that we get that, it becomes commonplace. It's no longer a point of shame. It's a point of growth. Right. It's a, it's a marker. It's your newest waypoint.
0: Yeah. You know, I think the biggest part will also come into kind of like, we, we touched on this before and and I'll bring it in here with, with, um, not the whole version, (laughs) Because it's a lot. But one of the things that when I started changing my life, so I had my life-changing moment at 23. And the thing that I did to change my life is what most people would actually consider extremely harsh that they can never imagine doing. I had a conversation with myself in the mirror. And it was at a point where I was completely and utterly frustrated. And I really couldn't figure out what was wrong. I discovered... that what it was is I wasn't embracing myself. I wasn't accepting myself because I had been bullied so much. And like we say, well, you know, some people might see it as a perspective. I was, Jay, I was literally thrown in trash cans and pushed down stairs. And then like that, that's a little bit different, right? Like not everybody was getting that bad of bullying.
1: I got and, bullied for being trans when I wasn't because I had gynecomastia in a small Southern town. I had stuff thrown at me from trucks going by. Yeah. I Bigoted epithets yelled at me in parking lots at school and all the shit you could possibly imagine. And I ran. Much like yourself. I ran, I ran, I ran. I created fucking a thousand personalities for myself. I was anything but the human that got fucking tossed, beat up, fucking put down, all that shit. I'm with you,
0: dude. I'm with you. I got no too. I got called Guido tits because I kind of look like a bit of a Guido and I had dude. One of the worst and most
1: traumatized, because here's the thing. I was fucking ripped Mm. from head to toe. I wasn't. I was a little chubby. No, no. So you could see the small amount that I had. And because you have one trait that is admirable, everybody wants to be the ripped guy when they're 16. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Yeah. So what do you do to the ripped guy that's got gyno? fucking shred him because you can't be him. It's much easier. That's right. Much easier. Fucking hang him out to dry to the point where he's thinking about killing himself when it's all said and done.
0: Yeah. Well, it's always easier to tear down other people's buildings than build a bigger one yourself. Mm. So. Amen. And so jumping back to my thing real quick here, um, the conversation that I wound up having in the mirror was big question. Who are you right now? like so i accepted myself i go okay like i'm vin i'm i'm vincent and and who is vincent it's like ah well that's that's a conversation i'm depressed i'm anxious i've panic attacks people pity me no one's inspired by me i'm not a leader there's nothing noteworthy about me there's very little love in my life i'm not happy i i hate everyone and then that's a great conversation because it is a level of honesty which opens the door to acceptance which opens the door to the next question which is do you want to be this way? The answer is no. And then the next question is even better. And I have two great questions. So the next one was, who do you want to be? So I want to be a leader. I want to be powerful. I want to be inspiring. I want to be happy. I want to be helpful. I want to be strong. I want to, you know, be excited about life. Like I just went a lot about all these things I want to be. And then the final question was really the best one because it then said, if you want to become all of these things, who do you need to become? How would you do all of these? Like, what would a leader say, do you think, feel? How would they be? How would they show up in life? If you want to be happy, same thing. What would a happy person do think, say, feel? And as you go through all of this, it's about being able to have that extremely hard conversation first because a lot of people aren't getting there. A lot of people aren't getting to the point where they're saying, like, this is who I am. Because if you did and you were honest like that, then you're going to have to... Right. If you're honest like that, then you're going to have to just accept and acknowledge, like, that's who you are. Like, I am this depressed, sad, pitiful person. Like, this is who I am. And there's nothing wrong with that. But a lot of people been like, well, that's harsh. It's like, it's not harsh, it's true. When did the truth become opinions? Like, the truth is, is is the thing that will set you free, right? We've heard this throughout our lives. The truth will set you free. Why is it now that the truth hurts my feelings and destroys me? And I think that's one of the biggest realities that that's shifted in our society. Because if I was never truthful and honest with myself to that degree, I would have never been able to say, I don't want to be this person anymore because this sucks. This person sucks. This person's life sucks. I'd rather be someone else because I'm aware that I am this person and that I am causing this pain and the problems in my life by being this. Because this that's is a why mind mindful is the way moment. It is. Yeah. That's
1: a that's a mindful moment that requires you to deconstruct yourself um and be honest, like you said. And that honesty is something that we could all benefit from when we're looking in the mirror. There's a, actually a lot of meditation exercises that's in or right around mirror work. And Sorry. there's for a reason because you're
2: looking at the person you want people to see. Right. Who the fuck is that? Why does that exist? It should be me. Me, and if the person that you are creating is something you wouldn't love yourself, why the hell would you expect anybody else to love Damn right. Vin, I appreciate you coming on here and having an honest, candid conversation about
1: the ways that we can improve ourselves. I want to give you a quick moment to tell everybody where they can find you and um, give you an open invitation to come back anytime you want. Um, I appreciate you, and I appreciate what you're doing. You would be a lighthouse.
0: Thanks, Jay. So people can find me. You can go to my website. Uh, it's www.vincentinfante.life. It's my whole name. And I encourage everyone to check it out. I have a free resource on there called uh, a mission board. It's better than a vision board. One, because I made it. And two, because it's more practical. Bro, that's that's how anything should
1: be said. If you can't say because I made it, then you shouldn't be selling it, you know, unless you believe in what the fuck it is you're supporting.
0: I'm giving it away. It ain't even selling. It's free. And I think it'll help people because, see, part of part of what I do is like I'm aware that I'm at a higher level of access than most people have the means for. And that's fine. But that's why I keep finding ways like jumping on podcasts, giving speeches, free content on Instagram, which is at Vin.infante and my website. And so there's many ways to have access to my ecosystem, even if you're not working with me in a one-to-one coaching capacity. Um, And I welcome people to look into that. So check out my socials, Vin.infante on Instagram, TikTok. LinkedIn is vin Vincent Infante, I believe whatever check out my website well you know what if you go to the website website. every social media link is there (laughs) i do the the same thing whatever
1: (laughs) i do the same thing i'm like we're here 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 here." oh wait a minute just click on the website that's like all there we've been doing this for a while i appreciate you man and remember everybody be cool and keep learning